Apple presents Meet the Author. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome this evening's guest moderator from the New York Times, Oliver Strand, and tonight's guest, author of My Year in Meals, available now in the iBook store, Rachel Ray. Hello. Hello. Oh, not like I need one of these. They could probably hear me four zip codes away. Yeah. Hi, everybody. I'd like to point out that uh, Rachel Ray is a trooper. She, uh, is it okay if I say? In sure. Thing? Yeah, just a little bit of a strain in her neck and her shoulder. She has like maybe 70% mobility right now. Is that about right? Yeah, if anybody yeah. asks me something over here, I gotta go like this. <laughs> but she's up It'll here. It'll work out. She's up here on stage. It'll work out. Yeah. So we're here to talk about her new book, uh, My Year in Meals, um, which is very much a diary of, uh, year in meals. It is literally a diary of everything we made at home for um, more than a year really because it's um, a smart book. There, There's additional materials offered. Everything we've been cooking since I delivered the manuscript in late spring mm -hmm. until the pub date which was just a couple of weeks ago will also be available to people as well. So oh, so it, it'll it, be, it'll it's sort of like a, a, a book and then some. A book plus. A book plus. A book with some added content. Well, so it starts in April of last year. Of yeah. last year, and I think that's interesting because you know you can cheat anything in publishing. You could have started it in January. That would have been this yeah. January, but you decided that you wanted this to be a true accounting of your year and meals. Yeah. The the end paper of the book on on my side of the book. The book is really a flip book. It's two books in one. My husband's the co-author, and he wrote My Year in Cocktails. John Cusmano right. is his name. Right. And my end papers are my notebooks. I keep these little paper notebooks with me, and I have now for um, more than 15 years written everything for the cookbooks, now the magazine, the week in a day, the daytime show. Um, all of that comes out of these little paper notebooks. And uh, about a year ago, my friend Cappy, who runs our children's initiative, Yummo, mm -hmm. um, we were uh, doing a fundraiser at my old high school in upstate New York, and he was staying at, at our house. And he said, uh, we were making pizzas together at midnight, because we had just gotten in from the event. Mm -hmm. And he said, he took a bunch of pictures of them, and he's like, wow, these are great. And he was tweeting them and putting them up on his own uh, uh, you know, Facebook and all that. And he's like, you know, why don't you do this? You should really do a, a diary and take pictures of, of what you guys actually make at home. I think people might be surprised. Mm -hmm. And so we just started doing it for fun and um, it, uh, it sort of grew from there. And now the book um, in print has over 700 recipes or 600 and something recipes. And then there's a couple hundred more that we have um, typed up and, and taken pictures of since then. So now, yeah. now we're in the habit of it. Now we just do it period. Right, and document everything. Yeah. Well, one of the things that I, I found really interesting in the book is on occasion, like, you'll skip a couple of days, you know, so it really is, it's like what you're cooking at home. Oh, yeah, absolutely. If day. I'm out of town, or the rule is, if I get home before 9 p.m., we make dinner. If I get home after 9 p.m., that's the night for us for pizza or Thai or something. Yeah. Um, well, so if it's like 8.20, do you rush home, or do you kind of pull back and kind of... No, I call John, tell him to open the wine and put the, the water on because we're probably having pasta. Okay. But he, he gets a head start for me. Uh. But if I'm going to make it through the door before nine, we're cooking. Right. And if John's playing, he doesn't like to eat before a show. My husband is lawyer by day, but he has a band and sometimes he plays at night. He doesn't like eating before a show. So we will have 
midnight spaghetti after a show, but mm -hmm. usually the rule is 9 p.m. Okay, and, and, and uh, another thing that I liked about the book is that it really is an account of how one would eat now. In other words, it's not too tied to a theme. Like in December, actually, can we go and bring up uh, December 7th or 6th, or it's, uh, I think, a risotto, butternut squash. Yeah. Risotto. That's so unfair. It says food photography by Rachel Ray and John Cusimano. Uh -huh. um, John took pretty much every food picture in the book. Okay. He bought me the Leica camera that he used, uh -huh. but it's so intricate. It's not one of those Leicas. It's like a point and shoot. It's so difficult to use this thing. I get dizzy trying to focus it. So John really deserves all of the, the credit or the blame. These are all home pictures. None of them are professional photography, of course. Right. Um, but John really took all the pictures. All the vacation pictures are mine when we were you know, traveling and stuff. Those are mine, but everything else is my sweet husband, John. Well, so on, uh, let's see, it's Wednesday the 7th up there, I think that there's a butternut squash risotto, which is really nice. And then from there, the next meal, I guess, is on the 10th, and that's a couple of roasts. And then... Um, well, that's actually a Christmas tree. We did not eat oh, that sorry. horse. <laughs> <laughs> Well, and there, and and this is what I want, what I want to get to, because I think this is cool. It's uh, a chorizo and eggs. Yeah. Right. And that's like that's what you would eat. Like, and and in fact, last night I had a chorizo and cod that I cooked at home. Like, <laughs> it's interesting that in December, oftentimes in cookbooks you're so kind of tied to the season. It has to be like mold, cider, butter, right, right, all right. spice. You no, know, you know, pancakes. we we started a garden a couple of years ago, so this is. Probably the most seasonal uh, collection I've ever done because we had seasonal ingredients. We had so many tomatoes, it was embarrassing. We were giving them to strangers, literally, like uh -huh. trying to hand them off to neighbors that we'd never met. Here, have some tomatoes. Um, so it is seasonal, um, which is great, but it's also the way we, we live and you know we're like everybody else. Some days we only make one meal, dinner. Mm -hmm. Some days we make breakfast and dinner. If we have house guests, we offer breakfast, lunch, and dinner, or at least a brunch or something. So every day is very different, and there's blocks of time in there where if we're out of town or it's a, a work trip or something where very little gets cooked, bless you. Um, and, you know, there's other days where if, if I'm in upstate New York where I come from, that's, that's, I'm from the Adirondacks, and if I'm home, John's in his music studio all day. Mm -hmm. He has a little studio over the garage. He's in there playing his instruments all day. And I'm in the kitchen cooking. That's what makes me happy. So, you know, those days you'll have, you know, on some days nine or ten recipes if the whole band was visiting us. Mm -hmm. um, and then other days there'll be, you know, we had eggs for dinner. So it really is exactly what happened in our home and in our lives for that whole year. Yeah. And I think that's what makes it fun for people is that there's something relatable in there for everyone. There's very simple meals and really elaborate things that, you know, people probably wouldn't associate with me at all, you know, the porchetta that I cured for four days, or, uh -huh. you know, corned beef that was in the fridge for a week, or, you know, using the slow smoker and making a seven-hour brisket, and, you know, so there's, there's things that we wouldn't put in the daytime show or on a 30-minute meal show or something, so it's really all of our food life, yeah. um, and there's lots of little side notes and uh, funny things that happened along the way, and... Yeah. Well, when do you know um, when you want to take a shortcut and when you want to go and do it the hard way? Like with the eggs and, and chorizo. It's all, yeah, it's all about whether or not I have the time. Okay, yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. I love to cook, and I would spend the entire kitchen or day in the kitchen every day if I had that luxury. And I do, really. I get to spend it in kitchen at, you know, at work, but I have to produce uh, three shows a day if it's the daytime show, four shows a day if it's 30-minute meals, two shows a day if it's weekend a day, which is 10 meals. Mm -hmm. So that has to sort of move along. I can't just do one thing all day. But at home, I have the luxury of that. I can go back and forth and work on several things. Yeah, I, I want to talk a little bit about that because this is an impressive undertaking and I look at it and, and it's really engaging and it's also a little intimidating because I'm not sure if everybody in the audience and out there in podcast land realize this, but um, y this is your 21st book. Yeah. Right. And you wrote this while, uh, I guess, starring in or running four TV shows. So you have... Yes. <laughs> Four TV shows, your 21st book, and you also have a magazine, a, a monthly magazine that is yeah. one of the most popular, if not the most popular food magazine on the planet, right? Well, we're, we're doing okay. Yeah, I think so. It's somewhere around there. Um, so, you know, any one of those tasks would be more than enough for I, I, me and, and probably <laughs> anybody else in this audience. Are there any days where you just want to, like, hang out on the porch? No, I'm really bad at it, actually. <laughs> Um, I, I am not happy unless I, I'm working. And I come you know, from a mom who worked 100 hours a week in restaurants for more than 40 uh, years. My grandfather was a stonemason, um, and he'd work all day and come home. And he was the primary cook, and he had 10 kids, and he grew everything in his gardens. And huh. you know, he'd still wake his kids up in the middle of the night if it was the northern lights, and he'd bring them out onto the lawn. Uh, in their PJs and stretch them out and sing to them, you know? I mean, he was, we, we, we're people that never had balance from generation to generation. We always had more work than play. But we're also people that for generations have enjoyed playing as hard as we work and that when we go home, mm -hmm. we want that to be a little adventure too and we want to sit up too late and eat dinner at midnight if you have to so that we can sit around and talk to each other and have rosy cheeks and drink wine and share stories and eat food. That to me is what quality of life is. It's not about how much money you have or how much time you have. It's about how much fun you had at the end of the day and do you feel like you earned that fun. Huh. I like to feel like I earned that. And what I do is this and I like it. So it's really not hard for me to do any of it. It actually feels almost vacation-like to me because I worked in uh, gourmet foods, production kitchens, and restaurants all of my life. And mm -hmm. I'm usually, you know, whether I was working in a restaurant or a retail store, I was unloading trucks at five or six in the morning, working a production kitchen or a retail floor all day, then going home and cooking at night. I, you know, that's labor. You know, mm -hmm. scribbling some ideas in a little notebook and typing while some lovely woman blows out your hair for you and some <laughs> other guy puts some stuff on your face yeah. and you get to wear clothes that you couldn't even afford for the first 30 years of your life. I mean, that's pretty lovely. And yeah. what's there to complain about? What I do for <laughs> a living is what I would do on a day off from any other job that I've ever had. Mm -hmm. And I love working in food, period. You don't have to lie, cheat, steal. Everybody's always hungry, so you always have a job. Mm -hmm. And working in food it's fantastic. It's only about sharing and not taking yourself too seriously. And food connects you to every generation. It takes you any place you've never been. Mm -hmm. So if you're poor, it can really cheer you up because you can go to France as quick as you can buy a cheap bottle of wine and make some dinner. You know, you can. Uh -huh. it, it, 
being able to to cook for myself, which is something my grandfather taught my mother. She was the first of the ten, so she taught me. It's very empowering. You never are afraid if you don't have a lot of money because you know you can provide for yourself. And then if you do have some money in the bank, it's this luxury because you can share it with more people and entertain mm -hmm. more, and you can drink even better wine and learn even more about food and try even different things. But rich or poor, it is a luxury item. Being able to prepare food for yourself is not only basic, mm -hmm. but it's a luxury. It, it provides you with great self-esteem and a wonderful escape. You know, it's, it's a joy for me to go home and make dinner with my husband. I mean, truly a joy. Uh, it's, it sounds like it's a s source of, of pleasure uh, where you don't have to spend a lot of money and in fact the more that you spend isn't necessarily a guarantee of greater pleasure. You know, some of my happiest times were when I was working at Macy's back in the day when there was a big food hall there mm -hmm. and I'd work during the holidays what we called Iron Man's and you know you'd literally get up at four o'clock in the morning get home at midnight and on the weekend on sunday if i had a full day or a half a day off i would go shopping literally my food budget was forty dollars kind of ironic because of the forty dollars a day show right but that was my food budget for the whole week uh -huh. and that to me was plenty you know i'd buy a whole chicken uh -huh. some dried or canned beans some root vegetables some garlic a little tomato um, and I'd be set, can of anchovies, la pasta, and I'd go home and cook for the whole week. And every day, even if I was only sleeping three or four hours, I was eating the food that I grew up with, food that I understood. Mm -hmm. I felt so great, even if I only had a few hours sleep. And I loved going to work because I was helping people be happy with, with food. You know, it's, it's, I can't tell you what it's given to my life to be able to do that for myself. And I think no matter what you want, um, to give your child, whether they're going to be a rocket scientist or a great musician, everyone should teach their kids how to cook for themselves. It's really inspiring, and it gives you self-esteem, and it makes you feel safe, and it's, it's kind of everything. And if you want to date somebody, the way to anybody's anything is always through a plate. My opinion. Yeah. 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 Anybody can make a reservation. But even if you burn <laughs> it or serve it to them raw, even if they get sick, you were definitely dessert if you cooked dinner. Yeah. Well, so how do you keep all of the ideas fresh? I mean, because you've been you've been generating recipes and cooking in front of audiences now for I yeah. I have little categories in my head, so I separate them into um, make your own takeout, yes, your kids will eat it, date night. Um, mm -hmm. uh, you know, cupboard cooking. I have all these little categories, so it's sort of like a puzzle game in my head. And I can always look back through my notebooks and see what I haven't written in a while. Yeah. Oh, I haven't done a burger in a while. So then I just say, what kind of burger do I feel like? Or mm -hmm. what kind of burger would my neighbor eat? Or what kind of burger would a burger hater eat? You know, so I, I just play games what with myself. What kind of a burger would a burger hater eat? Exactly. It has to be a burger that's not necessarily made out of ground beef because chances are that person had a bad experience with, with ground beef, beef okay. and their parent overcooked it or they got sick on it in the cafeteria. So first of all, it can't be made of beef. Okay. So then you have to start building, well, if you're a burger hater and you don't want beef, what tastes the least like beef but everybody loves? Mm -hmm. You go to poultry, mm -hmm. turkey or chicken. Uh -huh. And then you go into what's most popular when you get to the turkey or the chicken, buffalo anything. Um, cheesy anything, mm -hmm. uh, uh, or chili anything, Tex-Mexy sort of a thing. And you go on and on. So you just play these games with yourself. And then <laughs> I code them in the, in the notebooks 
DTS is daytime show, 30MM is 30 minute meals, EDWRR is the magazine, uh, WID is week and a day. So I just go through and sort of code them and at the end of the week, um, I did not take the typing elective when I was in high school. Uh -huh. I still suck at typing. So I slowly and painfully type all of that in um, on, on the weekend mornings. Well, yeah, so let's, let's talk a little bit about technology because, you know, we're here. Um, <laughs> yes. so, so you're talking about writing and typing. So, so, so you're not working off of, you're, <clears throat> you're pretty manual. Yes, yeah. I, I write everything in the little notebooks. Mm -hmm. um, on the airplane, I bring my iPad and my husband got me um, a, a keyboard that attaches to it because I'm not so good at the on-screen typing, but I'm, I'm, I'm better at the actual keys. Mm -hmm. So I spend a lot of airplane time translating the little notebooks, but sad but true, I still write in the little notebooks. And I had several friends give me pens mm -hmm. so that I could write in the books, uh -huh. but the tip is too fat and I can only write like a quarter of a recipe on one page. Okay. So I had to go back to the paper for the actual writing, I can't just write direct into the thing. I, right. I have to have the paper part. Got it. And yeah. sometimes I draw little diagrams and doodles of how I want it to look when it's done. Yeah, with all the marginalia, like you want a little bit of that. Yeah. yeah but are, th are there times where you think like, oh, I had that idea and I wish I could search? Yes, <laughs> and then I call my husband and ask him to help me through uh -huh. all of that, because it's all in there. Yeah. It's all been backed up and put into all of the devices that I have. There's a big, giant library of them. So mm -hmm. I can go back and say, oh, you know, I, what did I do the other time I did something like this? And, uh, you know, people around me help me with it. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm trying to get better at it. And now when I write, um, I, I try and work um, with, with a team of people that help to make the book really exciting for people that like it on, on an iPad or, or on a device. Mm -hmm. I try and make sure that we have value for those people that's different from value of people that still like a book in print. So we try and build really fun add-ons into both, into both, so that they both have, you know, value I guess is, is the key for me. Uh, you know, when it comes to products, I don't have to have the cheapest, but I have to have the best quality at that price. When it comes to content for the magazine, will everyone value this, rich or poor, young or old? Can someone see themselves doing this or being a part of this? Content for the daytime show, you know, what I watch is if I were s sitting at home and am I going to learn anything or have a laugh from it? Or, mm -hmm. you know, w what is the value of this thing? So we, we try as a team to work very competitively on that and to raise our bar with each project to make them the smartest, the best, and the most for the dollar. Right. Whether it's uh, on an iPad that you're reading something or, or in print. So with the iPad, when, when, you, when you were talking about the update to this, I guess I'll call it a project because it's more than yeah. a book, it's a project. So that will happen automatically with the iPad? Yeah, there, um, I have delivered all of the stuff, of course, uh -huh. and the publisher is, is organizing it. And I think the, the first couple of months are already up and they'll put it out through the first few weeks of the book release as they get it edited and you know mm -hmm. prettied up, I guess. I don't know, but my part's done, it's there. It'll go up there, <laughs> so you're good with deadlines. I try to be, yeah. I, I don't like to upset people that are, are counting on me. I'm a waitress at art. I grew up working in food service. I've been working in food, well, legally since 14 and off the books <laughs> since, you know, my mother brought us all to work with her. She didn't like strangers watching the kids. Mm -hmm. So I've been, you know, cleaning shrimp and cleaning out the walk-ins since way before I had papers. And 
I liked the feeling of being a good um, waitress. You know, I like I like serving people what what they're expecting from me. So, um, if the deadline isn't met, it's it's for a reason, or because we're still debating something, or because I want to deliver more content. Mm -hmm. In fact, with this project, they tried to talk me down a little bit and say, you know what? This is kind of three times what, what we agreed to for, for, for a book's content. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. So, oh, there's all my, my lovely notebooks, aren't they? <laughs> yeah, there's something, huh? Yeah, that doesn't look too high tech. Yeah. yeah. That's definitely a low tech. <laughs> that actually looks like an artifact that you, you dug out of the yard. No, yeah, no. thank you. <laughs> no um, offense. Yeah, but, but yeah, <laughs> that's it. That's right. how I do it. Huh. Yeah. No, those are wow, really that's so embarrassing. Well. My handwriting is terrible. Right. Perhaps I should have been a doctor. <laughs> well, so you were just calling yourself a waitress. I've also read that you don't consider yourself to be a chef, but you do. No, I'm not. I mean, chefs um, have proper papers, their pedigree. Uh -huh. And I grew up working in restaurants, and I feel I can put a delicious meal on the table, but I also think it would be misleading um, to not correct people when they call me chef. Um, and I know lots of proper chefs uh, have gotten there by, by working their way through uh, kitchens, but I just feel like... You know, if, if I didn't go through a culinary program at the CIA or something and I can't properly wear a tall hat, I just want to give respect to that. I also think that there are things, you know, that cooks and, and my family and things that I do on air that may be shortcuts that chefs don't do. You know, all of our culinary staff at work, they are proper chefs, and they stop chopping onions the way they were taught in culinary school, and they now chop them like I chop them. Yeah. They don't do those side cuts. They just go down, 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 across, cross, cross, because an onion is already layered, so why bother with this thing? You know, I've actually, I've, str I've, str I've struggled with that I'm issue a little saying, bit. I'm just saying, it's yeah. the truth. Yeah. So. <laughs> no, there's nothing wrong with a shortcut if it gets you there. Yes, exactly. Yeah, on time. So maybe mine is the onion hack, and theirs is the onion chop, but they both look cute when they're done, and yeah. whatever, so my food's rustic. <laughs> right, no, and as long as you have a sharp knife? That's your best, that's your best friend, sharp yeah. knife. Yeah. Big cutting board, sharp knife, garbage bucket or bowl, as I call them, yes. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. If you were to make something out of this, this book, like what, what's on your mind that you would want to make in the next few days, you know, keeping in mind that it's like 29 degrees at night here in New York? Well, I'm about ready to go on book tour, so I won't have a chance uh, to cook for a few days. Uh -huh. But I left my husband enough stuff that he can make the cider beef. Uh, it's a slow-cooked, very easy, few ingredients, beef that's slow cooked in cider is one might guess from the name. Mm -hmm. We always have in the pantry the ability to make yo-yo uh, with lots of anchovy, uh, you know, anchovy, lots of garlic, uh, olive oil, uh, chili pepper. Um, uh, I have 20 different cuts of pasta there for him. The pantry is always stocked so we can make several basics. Um, we always have canned fish, uh -huh. um, lots of olive oil, um, lots of tomato product, dried and canned beans, lots of dried pastas. You know, John could, um, you know, be snowed in for four or five days and he'd be just fine. He's a great cook. And right, so when Sandy hit, you were fine. You were yeah, to... you know, we were very, very fortunate. We were just a few blocks from the big explosion. And in New York, we're on the sixth floor, but um, I don't know how they numbered that building or how much they were drinking, but it's actually 18 flights of stairs to get to the sixth floor for us. Three. So okay. um, we were very, so very fortunate. It was, a, it, was a, it was a dark week at our show. Uh -huh. So we were able to take the dog 
65-pound pit bull and us and, and, and hide out upstate where I come from, the Adirondacks, where we all have generators. You know, we all have little generators out back. Right. So we were able to cook and, you know, get by just fine there. Um, so we were, you know, just so lucky not to have to go up and down 18 flights of stairs, you know, yeah. several times a day with the dog and the groceries and all that. Well, so if you are traveling a lot, do you have, like, a plane picnic? Like, do you... You can bring a little <clears throat> bit of snacks. No, I always by. usually have uh, almonds roaming around in the purse, mm -hmm. uh, cinnamon-flavored mini Altoids. Um, uh, that's very, that's very uh, civil and polite of you to have that. Yeah. yeah. I, well, yeah. I always smell like a salami, so I try and I try and think ahead for strangers. Or so. you just go and mask that with a little. But yeah, you know. Cinnamon. I, I really use the plane time to, to catch up on the typing mm -hmm. or try and watch a movie if it's a long, long flight and catch up on that. So, no, I, I don't really eat much on the plane. I'm more of a, a nighttime. I know it's not good for you, but even if I get in from a signing late, I'm used to going home and cooking, so I like to hang out and sit and chat. Even if I go to bed and possibly late, I like to have a meal mm -hmm. at the end of the day mm -hmm. and just a little something after the gym, you know, a handful of almonds or something in the morning. It's nice. Civilized. Yeah. Pretty civilized, I guess. Well, so I think we're going to go and turn it over to the audience. Um, we have a microphone. Oh, I see a couple on the end already. There's a couple right there. Coming on down. We'll start on the end, just work in. Hi. <laughs> okay, I never use these things. Uh, first of all, I want to say you taught me how to cook. I started watching your show when I was 12. And awesome. I remember it like it was yesterday. <laughs> I made something with chicken and mushrooms. I don't know. I don't think it was that edible, but it did get me started. You want to hear me? I made my first meal all alone when I was 11 or 12 for my mom. And I made lasagna roll-ups with uh, spinach and mushrooms and gorgonzola sauce. All sounds good there. But the only thing I knew that my mommy liked to drink was mimosas. So I did the fabulous wine pairing of orange juice and champagne. <laughs> I was going to say you put it in there in the sauce. I'm like, no, I don't know. <laughs> no, it didn't go quite that wrong. Um, but shortly thereafter, a couple years later, I tried to make her a lemon cottage cake, and that was a total disaster. It was like this gummy, gelatinous, disgusting. I broke my heart, cried, cried, cried. Didn't bake for like 35 years. So you're way, you're way ahead of me. You're way ahead of me. Light years. Thank you. Glad um, you got over the chicken and mushroom debacle. Yeah, I'm really <laughs> good at both of those things now. So, But the question is, um, now that you've gotten so much done, the shows and the magazine and the books, is there anything that you go home at the end of the day and you lay in bed and you're like, I really want to do this. I can't wait till yes. I can do something. I love to jump out of airplanes, but I've done that five times, so I had to set new goals. I have been taking Italian every Wednesday night for a couple of years now and still basically just no menu Italian in days of the week. So I'm trying to get proficient at that. I also would love to play a musical instrument before I die. So I'm going to try and get back to at least my percussion lessons I air drum a lot. Uh, my dream job would be um, guest drummer for the Foo Fighters, but now they temporarily broke up. So just back up for Dave Grohl anytime. <laughs> yeah, well, the, but that's, that's a goal. I'd like to uh, be, be proficient um, with, with instruments or at least be a percussionist. And um, what else? Uh, I'm up to five miles a day. I want to at least run a half marathon. Not necessarily this year. But just in general, ultimately. <laughs> Those are good goals. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> We've got a few more in the front, and I see one all the way in the back. 
Hi, how you doing? Hi, good. Thanks how are you? Thanks for all that you've done for us, because believe me, a lot of us wouldn't even be able to get in the kitchen if it weren't for you. <laughs> Thank you. A uh, couple of questions on two on, uh, sure. on two areas. Uh, the Newark mayor is doing a food stamp challenge. Yeah. This, uh, I guess he's doing seven days from the 4th to the 11th to see how he can live on, uh, on as a vegetarian on food stamps. Mm -hmm. Do you ever consider anything along those lines? Yeah, Mario, uh, my, my friend Mario Batali invited me to do it. He's already done that. Um, we work together a lot at, at Food Bank, of course, and City Harvest. They're partners with our, our Yama organization. Our children's initiative has three tiers to eradicate hunger. The next door neighbor is, of course, obesity and type 2 diabetes, so we, we work to lower that level. And then we have an education program, a scholarship program for public school kids who wish to go into any sort of food-related field. So um, it's very important uh, to me, and because of the way I used to live off 40 bucks a week of groceries to be able to do that, my only problem is being able to be in town or not doing something for the show or an event or something is finding that week of time. But it is on my goal list, and yes, I, I desperately want to do that. But I want it to be true blue. You know, I want to be able to have seven days where my husband and I can live off just that. And it's just hard to juggle all the schedules and make that happen. And I don't want it to be a cheat. You know what I mean? So. Yeah. And the second one, um, I spent a lot of time in the military. Uh, when, from the time of CRES to the MREs. Yeah. Never, never a good experience. Is there any way that you can give tips to some, to some of our men and women in uniform on how to improve those MREs? I send stuff uh, to them all of the time from uh, uh, little packages to hot sauces and the like, but from an expert, it would be more than appreciated. Yeah, I think that you're on the right track there with hot sauce. I mean, I could eat anything if it had some flavor to it. So, you know, it, it's sort of tangential, but I gotta tell you, we were the first condiment in space. We did 30 minute meals and they dehydrated them and put them into the little trays and they actually made all the condiments and things because I said I didn't want to participate unless they could have the flavor there. And I think that whether the food comes out of a tube or it's pureed, my mom when I was a little kid didn't buy baby food, she pureed what everybody was eating at the dinner table and that's what we ate. And I think there's a lesson in that, you know? Don't dumb down anybody's food. Um, and if you can add a spice pack or give somebody a little bit of hot sauce, I never get on an airplane without literally a little foodie survival kit, all of the little spices in a tube. And I have actually had people open up the bag and look, you know, look like I'm trying to pass something weird or funky, but they're really just dried herbs or spices. But right. I, I think it's, <laughs> just there you go, important powders, to yeah. travel with those little, <laughs> it makes such a difference. I mean, you could eat anything if you can boost that flavor a little bit, put a little, put a little dried something, something on it. A little bit of fun in it. Right? Put a little fun in it. A little fun for the, the palate. Our next question's all the way in the back Hello. over here. Um, good evening. Uh, I just want to know, what do you recommend that's heart healthy? Like oh, I, have, I do. Um, ton of heart healthy all throughout the year and all over our website, too. And you can search it just by that. You could just type in kale and see everything I make with kale. You know, I grew up um, in a house where my grandpa lived with us when I was little. And I had the diet of like a 70-plus Sicilian man because I was with him all the time, and that's the food I like to eat. So we grew up eating food that was cooked primarily in olive oil with lots of lean proteins, um, lots of uh, fish and seafood, and tons and tons of dark leafy greens. And 
I mean, that's the way I like and, and prefer to eat at home, as you'll see if you look in the book. But we make it so easy on the website, on uh, all of our apps and things. If you just type in any keyword, you know, if, if you want fish or seafood, you'll, you'll find it. If you want kale, you'll find it. And that, that's the easiest way is to just tailor your own book instead of getting a whole book of this and that and the other, make your own. But it's so easy now to, to, to make your own heart healthy or any other sort of diet you're following. It might be a challenge if you don't want to eat any sort of carbohydrates in my books, but oh, wow. yeah. Yeah, I wish I, uh, that, that I had the diet of a 70-year-old Italian man. Yeah. That's, my, yeah, that's my goal. You know? <laughs> I don't need to jump out of a plane. That's where I want to arrive at some point. Next question's right here in the front row. Thank you. Hello. Hello, Rachel. Um, wow, you have a great voice. You know what? That's delicious. the thing that you told me, and you actually <laughs> said delicious. You don't probably remember me, but I met you and John through a very talented person who is working for you now. Her name is Jane Harrison Fox. Oh, my God, Brad! Oh, my God! Oh, my Brad. God! Hi, Brad. Hi, The story that you told me about how you and John met. Oh, that's a funny one. was fantastic. One. I yeah. thought it was fantastic. John and I met um, a person that uh, was a mutual acquaintance of ours, a very tall, beautiful lady, um, sort of a, a mover and a shaker uh, type of person, threw a birthday party for herself and uh, invited lots of uh, her friends that were also beautiful, tall people and lots of her ex-boyfriends who were beautiful, tall people. And John and I are not tall. So John and I saw each other literally across a crowded room because we were a foot and a half shorter than everybody else. <laughs> and we, um, so we walked up to each other and smiled and said hello and we started chatting. And I wasn't even on Food Network yet, I just made uh, pilots. Uh, it was like a dozen years ago. And uh, so I said, you know, I love to cook and I work in food and actually I'm gonna be on Food Network and blah, blah, blah. And John said, uh, I love food too. And I said, what'd you make for dinner last night? And he said, makshu spilling out of an avocado, uh, tilapia with a tomatillo sauce, and I deglazed the pan with negro modelo, and I made a hell of a margarita. So I'm like, oh my God, I have such the guy for you. I cannot wait to introduce you. Because John had told me that he was a lawyer, and I didn't think that any man that knew how to make food that didn't do that as, you know, as a chef or as right. a living you know, he might perhaps be gay and that I could set him up with a friend of mine. So how did that comment go over? Um, John said, oh no, that's great, but, but I'm not gay. Um, and sort of the Seinfeld line, not that there's anything wrong with that. I'm like, oh, my friend's gonna be like broken hearted. And I'm like, your girlfriend or your wife must be so incredibly happy. And he's like, oh no, I'm single. And I'm like, check. <laughs> and then we went out and um, we talked until about four o'clock in the morning about music. And we had all the same music likes and dislikes. And I'm just like, oh my God, what's wrong with him? Does he murder people on the weekends? <laughs> or like, what? Right, because they're, they're, right. has there has to be something wrong with him. And then he told me that he had his own band. And I'm like, uh-oh, deal breaker. Women can fake lots of things, but liking bad music is not one of them. So then I'm like, okay, please don't let him suck. And I went to hear the band, and then they didn't suck. And then I was like, check please, again. But we've been together on the telephone or in person every single day since for over a dozen years. Yeah. Isn't that's that a right, Brad. That's a great story, right? So <laughs> you guys are doing this now. Is there any chance that you guys will make some kind of a cookbook for single guys to seduce women and serve? Anything you make you in there will yeah. get you oh. to dessert. 
Good to know. Yes. Good to know. And if you use John's side first, even better. No, uh, in all seriousness, I've said for years, if you want to impress somebody, anybody can make a reservation. The way to really show anyone that you care, whether it's a date night or it's your grandma, is to take the time to make them something. It can be the simplest of things, but I really do believe that's one of the, the miracles of, of preparing food, is that it really conveys emotion in a very pure way, and to all of the senses. You're in. <laughs> We've got time for two more questions. I see one in the middle, and then I'm going to head back to the back row again. Hello. Hi. Hello. Hi. How about some dog-friendly recipes? Oh, we've always included dogs in our magazine. There's always a column for dog-friendly food every single month. And we have an entire line of made-to-human standard uh, pet food. And all of the sales of that, 100% of my sales have always gone since day one to Animal Rescue. And thanks to Nutrish, which is the name of our dog food line, um, we've raised about $4 million in the first couple of years. So there you go. The dogs eat microwave eggplant frisbees? This is fabulous. I'm going to try this. He said microwave the eggplant and use them as frisbees, and the dogs eat them. I'm not sure all dogs would. I'm not sure my I'm dog I'm going to try would. it on Isabel. I'll try it. I'll try she it. loves butternut squash. Really? Yep. My dog loves carrots, but she won't eat the tail end of it. She won't eat the root. Neither will Izzy, but she will eat ferns. She loves maiden ferns and curly parsley, but not flat leaf. Isn't that bizarre? That's very specific. Yes, yeah. but maiden ferns are very like curly, fluffy, lacy looking things. Yeah, and fiddlehead? Uh, no, doesn't like the fiddlehead, nope. Do, really, it's, that's it. Maiden fern, which not good, no bueno for the dog. Yeah. It makes her stomach all gurgly, but mm -hmm. she keeps going at it. I put it here, I move it there, I make it higher, somehow she gets up there. But loves the parsley, but prefers the curly. Loves the butternut squash. Will love uh, carrots, but only if they're cooked. Not so much with the crunchy, and okay. most dogs prefer the crunchy. Yeah, of course. Yeah, and my dog, she loves blueberries because they roll. It's oh, very because it's fun. Isabu loves apples during apple pickles picking season because she thinks they're balls. Mm. She doesn't know they're an apple until she bites down on it, and then she gets very excited That's about really the juice, exciting, yeah. rolls around on her back, and yeah. laps it all up. It's adorable. Yeah. Oh, that really hurt because <laughs> I twisted a little that way, but whatever. <laughs> We've got our final question all the way here in the back row. Hello again. I love your hat. You look fabulous, oh, by the thank way. Thank you. I love you, Rachel, so much. Thank you. <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, hi, Rachel. How hi. are you? I love you. So I love you, too. You look hot. Thank you. I just <laughs> want to know who's your favorite fashion designer, because I'm a fashion designer, and I go to FIT. Oh, my so. God. I should have known that. Yeah. That's why you look so incredible. <laughs> thank you. Um, I have to tell you the truth. When I get home, um, I love... PJ Salvage, <laughs> my favorite pajama company. <laughs> I am really a pajama person. Um, I'm a bedhead and uh, PJ Salvage. On my wedding night, I came out in a Cosabella um, negligee that my friends gave me as a gift. Um, and my husband, John, laughed at me, cracked up, bent over, keeled over laughing, and said, who are you kidding? Go put your pajamas on. Um, but when I, when I do go out, uh, I like... Um, uh, well, a lot of people. Uh, I love Helmut Lang. I love Isabel Morant. I love, um, I don't know how to say it. Is it Zadig and, and Voltaire? Is that correct? Love Zadig, them. Yeah. In fact, this is their jacket, but my friend Greta gave it to me. Um, but if, if, I, if I had my way, I would live in my, um, 
in my sweats, in my Lululemons, and then when I get home, I would, I would put on my pajamas. When I, when I entertain, though, I put on Notori. I put on the fancier pajamas and my dress slippers. <laughs> well, this is like some real straight talk. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Probably too much information, but... We're good? We're good. Thank you, everybody. That was a lot of fun.